0: What's up? My name is Josh, and thanks for checking out the GT Young Adults Podcast. We're a community from GT Church in Victoria, BC. We love Jesus, and we have a passion to learn, grow, and live like Him, and have a ton of fun doing it. All the messages and conversations you'll find here will point you to His truth and His hope, so lean in to whatever God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hey, everybody man, it is so good to be with you. Do you guys know why I'm here? Did you guys celebrate anything yet? Have you guys celebrated this? Did I miss it at the beginning? Did anybody say? that? Lucas and Trina had a sweet little baby boy. Yeah. And um, I, I've been on standby. He's like, when the baby comes, you're on. And so I was like, okay, cool. And uh, so I can't remember. We, were, we had like some group text, him, me, and Adam, and Oliver, about some thing we're working on. And all of a sudden he's like, hey, guys, I don't think I'm going to be there. And just drops a baby picture on us. And I was like, whoa, it was amazing. It was so good. And so we're really excited uh, for them. And is it LJ? Is that what we're going with? It's baby LJ. So he's – he. Um, he has entered the world, and he's an amazing, amazing little little person. Can't wait to meet him. Uh, I think there's already some Instagram love going around, so check it out if you want to. So you got me tonight, and uh, what an honor. I I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Um, I I uh, I I pulled an old guy move earlier when I got here, and I just did like you know the the like the spin around with my phone. So I could get everybody, uh, because I don't get to hang out with cool people very much anymore. So I thought, since I was with a bunch of cool people, I should tell other people that aren't nearly as cool about that. So that's what I did. Um, I, it's it's really great to be here. And we have been tracking together morning and evening in a series uh, that is in Matthew five five six and seven and so we're just about done with chapter five in fact tonight i'm going to finish up chapter five and then we're going to jump into chapter six but it kind of—it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, sermon. And um, I started the sermon off um, in the mornings with the Beatitudes, and I—I I, I know Lucas has been tracking with that as well. And we kind of formed this concept, this idea that the Beatitudes were were like Matthew's way of presenting Jesus as a second Moses. You know, Moses came um, to the mountain and met with God and brought back the Ten Commandments. And Jesus goes to the mountain, known as the mountain of the Beatitudes, and he delivers his eight Beatitudes. The difference is the commands were what not to do, the Beatitudes are what you can do, what you should do. And Jesus continues in that theme throughout this whole sermon, things that you should do, things that you can do versus things not to do. And so we're gonna get into some of that tonight. Um, Last week, the content was around salt and light and about the beautiful way that our life both preserves and illuminates others. It's really a beautiful concept, and that's what what Jesus taught next in in Matthew chapter 5. And now, tonight, I'm going to talk about some really really um, heartwarming and gentle things. No, not really. Actually, this is a very hard part of the scripture. And so if you wanna if you want to w- walk with me through this, I'm gonna be looking at Matthew 5, starting in like about verse 17. If you wanna follow on the app notes, you can. Lots of scripture tonight, lots of content there. And we're gonna walk through the rest of this. And so we're gonna talk about little light and easy topics like the law, murder, adultery, divorce, lying, revenge, and how to deal with your enemies. Sound good? Yeah. So I know that's a bit heavy, but like Jesus was really specific to help them reframe the way they were thinking about things. Because um, the, the truth is that when we look at these, especially at first glance, we're going to take a first glance at them. And when we look at them in our first glance, what we're going to feel like is, gosh, Jesus is more rigid than the law was. Like, there was this law, the Ten Commandments, and then Jesus starts adding this other layer to it that feels kind of heavy, and it's like, wow, more difficult. But that wasn't the goal that Jesus was after. The goal that Jesus was after, after was this. Jesus wants to invite them and us to a life of faith based on love, not obligation. Everything that the law presents is about obligation. You must do, you must not do. But Jesus is saying, hold on, there's a faith that you can live out that actually does something inside of you. It moves you from obligation into love. And wow, what a cool journey that is. Moving away from obligation and into love. I'm not forced to, but I get to. You know that feeling? You know that feeling when it's like something that you're joyful about? And so we're going to be looking at a, a few of those things. And, 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 um, Matthew continues to play with the Ten Commandments as Jesus does. So he talks to us about stuff that are Ten Commandment type stuff. But he starts with this verse in verse 17, which is where we're picking up. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So when Jesus talks about the law and the prophets, what he means is what you would find in your Old Testament. All the stuff where the prophets speak, all of the rules and the laws that were set up to kind of preserve the nation of Israel in a certain manner, and all of that's there, and Jesus is saying, listen, I haven't come to, to destroy that. I haven't come to abolish it, to tear it down. I've come to fulfill it, and this word fulfill is really important because when you understand it as it was written in Greek, you understand that what it really means is not just a sense of fulfillment, but to reveal the true meaning of it, In other words, God had always put it in place to mean something deeper than what at first glance you understand. So just like at first glance, we see what Jesus writes, and we're going to look at it, and it feels stronger even than the law. But when you look deeper, it's about moving from head and obligation to heart and to true love. And so this journey is beautiful, and it's the journey that all of us need to go on in our faith. We can't just have a faith that lives here, hey? right? We need a faith that lives here. We need a faith that has filled our hearts and has released us to love. And so that's the goal here. So even though we're going to get into some heavy content, just know that that's the point. And so what I want to do is I want to first give you a summary, a summary of Jesus's new perspective on the law. Because he said, I haven't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And I actually have kind of put together a little chart here. Actually, uh, Draca did it for me, but I want to show this to you. So we're going to talk about murder, worship, adultery, divorce. There's a few other things. We'll get to those in just a minute. But here's what the law says. The law says, and in terms of murder, avoid killing. Sounds like a good idea, right? But, but Jesus takes it into a different place, and he says, avoid anger and hatred. And we're going to see that. So he moves us into a different place that's more about love, more about relationship, avoid anger and hatred. He gives us another example of worship, and he says, it's not enough just to offer your gifts. You have to have right relationship with God and others. Can you see how he's moving us, continually moving us? That's the whole point here. Uh, He talks about adultery, and the law says avoid adultery, but Jesus goes on to say, you got to keep your hearts pure and faithful. It's about love, moving away from obligation and into love. Um, here's an example, divorce. Be legally married, that's what the law said. But but what Jesus said is, no, no, you have to live out your marriage. You have to live it out in a loving way. Okay, let's move to the next slide. He talks about oaths, which is really about swearing, about I swear, I promise, I won't, or I will. He says, when you swear, keep your word. That's part of the Old Testament way of looking at things. But, but Jesus brings us into this concept, always keep your word and you don't even have to swear. There's no need to swear. I'll explain that in just a minute. He talks about revenge. Seek justice for yourself. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. We'll get to that verse in a minute. But Jesus says, show mercy and love to others. So we're moving from religious obligation into love. That's the whole point here. The example um, about what do you do with your enemies? Well, the law says love your friends and hate your enemies, actually. But Jesus says love And pray for them. So when you see this, I get it. It feels like, oh man, the law says this, and Jesus takes it further. He takes it further. Was that his way of making it harder? No, not at all. His goal was to invite you out of obligation into love. And once you love, you start to see, like, I I want to be right in the spirit of what God is saying. I'm not just interested in how far can I go? Where's the line? Where can I mark it? Okay, so if I'm here, I'm good, but if I'm there, I'm not good, so I better just chill right here. No, that's obligation. What do we do? What does love command us to do? So I want to give you now lessons on living a life of faith that's based on love instead of a life of obligation that's based on law, okay? So that's what we're going to look at, a life of faith based on love. And I think the first thing that Jesus would want to teach us is what's going on in your heart really matters, What's going on in your heart matters. In fact, this whole time, you know what Jesus does? He kind of pulls our hearts out, and he has us look at it. And in these verses, it feels like, ouch, I don't really want to look there. Because what he calls us to look at is something that's a little more difficult to live with, a little more difficult to abide by. Hey, I haven't broken any rules. No, no, he's not letting you off the hook there. He's saying, what's going on in your heart really matters. So then he starts, okay, and he starts with murder. Just a little easy, light topic, just to kind of, you know, just kind of start. In. He says, if, he says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, in other words, the law and the prophets, right? You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you. Now, let me just pause for a minute. Jesus says, I tell you, but I tell you six times in the passages here. The reason why is because he was establishing his authority as God to be able to tell you what God intends. God spoke to Moses, and that's the law. And so for Jesus to say, you've heard the law, but let me tell you, wow. That is not what the other, you know, rabbis would say. But because he's Jesus, he's expressing his authority, his strength, his leadership, his capacity, his ability and so he says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Now, what, what is he actually getting at here? He's getting into the heart. If there are murderous thoughts and hatred and that kind of intent in my heart, am I off the hook just because I didn't go and follow through with what I really wish I could do? No, I'm not off the hook because of that. God wants to deal with my heart. Jesus wants to show, is there murderous thoughts in here? Is there hatred in here? Do you burn with rage because of what someone did to you? Then we need to deal with that. Because we want to move out of love and faith, not out of law and obligation. Okay? And so he goes on to say, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, which was this term of contempt in Aramaic, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Strong language here. It gets stronger, by the way. But the point that Jesus is making here is to help you understand that often we get in trouble with what we say. That What's going on in our heart comes out in our mouth, right? That's what Matthew 12 says. What's going on in your heart? It says it this way. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So when the heart is full of something, it comes out. And so Jesus says, if you say that, or if you say that, that might be an indicator of what's going on in your heart. And again, he's trying to move us from obligation into love. And into love, we must understand that what's going on in our hearts really matters. Anger can lead us to a dark place. I will say this, that you can be angry and not sinful. In fact, that's what Ephesians 4 encourages you to do. Be angry, but don't sin. In fact, Jesus was angry. He was angry a lot. He was angry at the, the guys in the temple for messing with God's house. He was angry with the Pharisees when they, got, when they you know, criticized him for healing on the Sabbath. He was a poor guy sitting there with his hand all shriveled up. and He says, stretch out your hand. It was healed. The Pharisees get up. What are you doing working on the Sabbath? Hello. See, that's what religious obligation looks like. Versus faith that's rooted in love. And so Jesus got angry, but he did not sin. Where anger starts to move to sin is with what we do with it. well, How we step into it. How we respond. And so um, anger does have an ability to lead you to a dark and sinful place. In fact, one of the things that Jesus said following this is like, Hey, listen, it, when you're worshiping, anger affects your worship. So when you're there worshiping and you remember that you're, you, know, you have something going on between you and your brother, go to him. Leave, leave your offering there. Go and be reconciled to him and then come back. Why? Because anger will mess up your worship. If you come into this place and you're mad at somebody, you're bitter, you're angry, you're frustrated, you, you, know, you see somebody across the, the, the aisle from you or you've had a, a, a conversation in the parking lot or something happened in small group or, or whatever, we're in relationship, it happens. But you come in here and you haven't dealt with that, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be hard to worship. It's going to feel like there's a little bit of separation and distance. we got to work these things through because we're not in religious obligation. We're in a relationship of love, and love cares about the heart. And he goes on to say, listen, when you are angry, there's a great price to pay. And he gives some scenario about a jailer and, and, and about going to court and about ending up in prison and the whole storyline is simply a way to help you understand that anger can, can really lock you up. You can be shackled by anger. It has an ability to put you in an emotional and relational prison. And so be very, very careful and dig it out of your heart. Because what's going on in your heart really matters. Second thought that I give you in regard to kind of stepping into this life of faith based on love is that you have to deal radically with sins of desire. And so this comes out in a certain way in the text, but let's apply it broadly to our lives. We have desires. In fact, We have different desires, but really the source of it is all the same. It's something that I want. It's what I crave. It's what I long for. Whether God approves or not, it's there. And how do I deal with that? You see, the analogy that's given here is a man who wants another man's wife. That's adultery. And he's talking about adultery. And he says, hey, in the law, it says that you should not commit adultery. And then verse 28, but I tell you, there it is again, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Remember what's going on in the heart matters. And what is it that Jesus is actually saying here? It doesn't mean that you saw that girl across the way and you thought, hello, I'd like to get to know you. No, that's not the problem. Or you saw that guy and and you were interested in him. And plus he had some curb appeal, like you just thought he looked good, right? So that is not what Jesus is talking about here. What Jesus is talking about here is the intent of the heart. Like literally, if you took that phrase, who looks at a woman lustfully, if you took that apart, it would basically be saying, if I could get away with it, I would. That's what he's talking about. See, so if I want to commit adultery and I have an object that I'm desiring, but I don't have the means by which to follow through without it costing me greatly, so I don't do it, am I not guilty? Jesus is saying maybe not. Jesus is saying, what's going on in your heart? To want to do that, to long to do that, and not to do that. I'm glad that you wouldn't, but the point is, is Jesus wants to help you deal with your heart. If I could and get away with it, I would do it. That's what Jesus is talking about. And you know what Jesus says? He says, you have to deal radically with sins of desire. So whatever that is for you, whatever you're struggling with, and Jesus goes on to use some really strong language. If your right eye causes you to, to stumble, gouge it out. Yeah, I know. It's, we just went to a horror movie. And out uh, and throw it away. It, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. This is gross. And throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Dramatic, right? Jesus was preaching to a crowd of people. He was engaging them. If Jesus started saying those things, you'd be listening, wouldn't you? And here's the thing about this. Some of you are going like, yeah, 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 I've heard this before. They had never heard it before. They heard it for the first time, and they were like, what? What is this teacher doing And I want you to see what the point is. The point is is that we have to be radical about getting rid of things that will keep us from God. i got to be radical against the sins of desire because they want to rule over me. And, And I want you to know the Bible does not condone mutilation. The Bible does not ask you to pluck out your eye or chop off your hand. Please don't do that. And tell them that Andy said you should. No, that's not the point. The point is, is let's not let sin master us. Let's not let desire go unchecked. If it's just because we're not actually doing it, we're not off the hook. Let's deal with what's going on in the heart. Are you hearing me tonight? All right. And he goes on next to talk about divorce in the same context of of adultery and, and and says this is a form of legalized adultery that you guys have made up because women have no rights men have all the rights it's totally inequitable it's another example of jesus elevating women which i really love and i appreciate the way christ does that but again it's just all about what's going on in your heart and then third thought is this your character should make the oath not your mouth and so we're talking about this whole swearing thing, right? This, this oath thing. So you got to understand the culture. At the time, what they were dealing with was um, a culture that was rooted in lies. It was, like, it was like fun. It was like the whole culture was hyperbole. Say whatever you want. Be dramatic. It doesn't really matter. Everybody laughs. Whatever. Make it up. Make up a great story. Share it around. Who cares? Gossip and lie. And it doesn't matter. And, but if someone swears, they got to keep their oath. So if they swear on the temple, it's real. I mean, they can tell you all kinds of lies, and then you go, swear? Okay, I swear on the temple that now you know they're telling the truth. Wouldn't it be crazy to live in a culture where you didn't, like, most people just didn't tell the truth until you made them swear? And that's what Jesus is dealing with here. He says, you know, the law does make it very clear for you. And it says it this way. Where am I? In my notes, again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. The reason why Jesus is saying this is because you don't need to swear an oath if you're always telling the truth. Just be a person who tells the truth. And this, again, is what's going on in my heart, because out of my heart, my mouth speaks. We've already said that. And so I've got to have purity in my heart. Jesus is saying, listen, in verse 37, all you need to say is a simple yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And so can we just be people of yes and no? I mean, guys, we're in a culture where sensationalism is like king. If you can get people to buy into some fake news, then wow, watch out because you're gonna be famous. I mean, there's so much garbage going around. There's so much mudslinging. Truth doesn't even seem to matter. You don't ever know what really is the truth. How does that make you sleep at night? Our culture is moving into this place, but let the people of God be people of yes and no. Amen? Let my life as a follower of Jesus be marked by yes And no, I'm not going there. I'm not entering into all that. I'm yes and I'm no. Because everything else is from the evil one. I'm not going to swear. I don't need to. I tell the truth. I'm a person of truth. Okay, the fourth thing, be an agent of mercy, not revenge. This is a very interesting passage. Jesus starts in on what is actually the most ancient of all laws. Do you know what the very first law that was ever made sort of in the world, in the, in, in, in the ancient world was? It was this one that I'm about to read to you. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Has anybody ever heard that? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. This is mentioned three times in the Old Testament, but it comes from even before that, ancient Babylon, in the ancient world. I mean, this is like cradle of life kind of stuff, right? You've heard that it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Let these, these words are, these are real words. Let them sink in. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anybody wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus, you ask a hard thing here. (laughs) I said this morning, I said, um, have have you ever done planks? Anybody ever done planks? You know, the, you start and you hear, you're like feeling good. And then over time, you start to shimmer, sh- you know, just shake just a little bit. And then, next thing you know, you feel like your guts are gonna fall out and you're not quite sure what you're gonna do. And, and your beads of sweat are going down your forehead. And eventually you're like, I just gotta put down a knee. Just take a breath here. You know, when I when I get to the message tonight and we get to this part right here, I just feel that. I feel like I gotta... I kinda gotta get out because this is really, really hard. I know, Jesus, that you're after my heart, but I'm not quite sure how to do this. I want you to pay attention to what Jesus is saying here because you really have three options when someone slaps you. The first one is slap them back. You learn that as a toddler, right? Like that one's pretty easy. The second one is to run away, to flee the person doing the slapping. But neither of those are the options that Jesus gives us. What Jesus commands his children to do is to endure. To stand still. To allow what happened to one side of you to happen to the other. That's very hard. I mean, the language that Jesus uses here was so intentional. You know, he says if if someone sues you and they want to take your shirt by law, they can sue you for your shirt, but not for your outer garment because you need it to keep warm and stay alive. But Jesus says if they sue you for your shirt, give them your coat as well. Roman soldier at any point can walk up to you and say listen I command you pick this load up and carry it one mile and you have to or he can have you thrown in jail as soon as you get to that last step that five thousand eight hundred and sixty-fourth step you can put it down but Jesus says when you're commanded to go one mile go two this is a hard teaching What are we learning here? What we're learning here is that when we choose to follow Jesus, we give up our rights. That may not be a popular message, but it's the truth. We give up our rights. It's no longer about what I want. It's about what the Lord calls me to. It's about living with and interacting with people in a way that shows my faith in my love. Now, I don't wanna make this a rule for living because there are times where this may not be exactly what's needed or necessary or best, right? But I get what Jesus is after. He called me to a cross, to pick up my cross and follow him. The interesting thing is, is the next section, talks about how we are to love our enemies and pray for them and stuff. And really what's going on here is Jesus is just saying to us, listen, you treat your enemies the way God treats his enemies. Can I say to you, at one time or another, we were all God's enemies. When I make my own decisions, when I walk out my own life, when I walk away from Christ, when I I spit on his sacrifice, when I don't care that he redeemed me, I don't appreciate the gift that he gave me as being precious and special. But how did Jesus treat me? He died for me. He gave his life for me. He sacrificed himself for me. You know why? Because everything that Jesus said here, he proved in his own actions. He didn't say one thing here, that he didn't live out himself. From the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Praying for his enemies from the cross. Jesus did this, friends. Maybe like me, when you read this stuff, get to the end here and you go like, I, I can't. And I want you to know that Jesus knows you can't, but he wants to help you. I'm so grateful for grace. I'm so grateful for mercy, not a mercy that I've earned, not a grace that I deserve, but Jesus gives it to me. You know what the whole point of this is? that Jesus wants to take our hearts and have us look at them and realize that in here is certainly not perfect. I can come to church and feel pretty holy and sing the songs, but when Jesus pulls my heart out and shows me what it is, I need him to work on it. I know I need a savior. I know I'm not where I need to be. I need his grace and his love. And I want you just to see that tonight. Jesus is holding your heart out to you and yes, he wants you to see it even though we don't really want to look. But you know what he's doing? He's just pulling stuff out. He's just breathing his life into that place. He's covering your heart with his blood. He's making sacrifice, bringing cleansing, and then putting it right back in. That's what Jesus does. He knows you can't. And so he does. Pray with me. God, I thank you for the privilege of walking with you today, Jesus, beyond the rules and into the heart. It's a hard thing to do. And when we see our hearts, we realize how much we need a savior. And Lord, I thank you that tonight, even tonight, for for all of us in various ways, you're revealing sin that lives in our hearts. But Lord, you don't leave us there and that the goal is not to see our sin. The goal is to realize our need for you as a savior. And so often, Jesus, we would invite new people who have never accepted you to walk into your loving arms, your grace, your mercy. But I would say, Lord, it's true, tonight we all need that. We all need a savior. We know that you've come to reveal sin, but you also came to destroy it and to take away the penalty of it and to give us life. You lived this perfectly and you died for our imperfections. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for putting us back in right relationship with God. And so Lord, we will let you work in our hearts. We'll let you hold our hearts out and take out of them hatred and anger and sins of desire and and lying and a desire for revenge and retribution. And you'll put in your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your healing, your compassion, your love. We receive that exchange tonight, Lord, and may we be, Jesus, you're calling to us and we respond and we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.